time. I'm Rob. That's a podcast about the things that connect us. Whether it is a rained-off attempt at a trip to the pub or string theory, a cycle to Cornwall or a chat in the sea. We talk about the stuff of life, what makes us curious, the stuff that connects everything, the spaghetti of life. Come and join us. Get comfy. This is Dad Sofa. I'm sitting on a rocking chair, white, high-backed, on the deck, in front of a house in Cornwall. The sun is setting with a slightly yellowish haze, and I can hear the birds of spring chirping, screeching and jumping around, hoping to find that last piece of food before settling down for the evening. The sea is bristling, and the ferry is moored out in the estuary, rocking and yawing, pitching and rolling, 50 metres out from the quay. I'm alone, and after a tough week, I've taken the opportunity to disappear for a weekend. I've never done this before, but this week I needed it. Even so, solitude still feels a little odd, like I should be with people, my family, and it's the first time in years that I've been alone like this. Normally, though, it happens by chance or because of some other event that I'm taking part in. I've been teaching for the last two days, on show and in front of people, and while I love it, and yesterday we went through from nine in the morning to 11.15 at night without a stop, I feel I'm just escaping to be at one with myself. The feeling of exhaustion or the desire or need to do this after such exposure is one of the signs of introversion. As an only child I was used to solitude and craved to get away from it, but I've learned now that sometimes one needs a little time out. Today is that day, so instead of driving home from Bristol, I went in the opposite direction and found myself in an empty house with no food in Cornwall. My wife is cool with it because she did it herself last weekend, and I'm blessed that she understands me. After all, we're both, at heart, introverts. I remember her reading this book and saying, you need to read this, Rob. The book is called Quiet, written by Susan Cain. It discovers the scale of introverts, and I would say my wife is more introverted than I am. But seeing Susan's TED Talk, I really get it. When I was in a friend's house as a kid, if there were brothers and sisters and parents and friends all talking away, I just couldn't compute it, and I felt a bit bewildered, really, because multiple conversations were going on. The same happened to me in nightclubs, and it made me feel a bit inadequate. As I've grown older, and now have three kids, I realised that as a child myself, it was just me and my mum and dad. So only three versions of conversations could be had. Me to my mum, or me to my dad, or my mum and dad to each other, all else being silent. I'd spent hours in my room doing pen and ink drawings, and developed a love of reading, more through the situation than anything else and so it felt strange as a teenager being launched into a social life with pubs and beer. At 17, I remember being flabbergasted when staying at Friends in Portsmouth. New Year came, and people I'd never met ran up to me and started snogging me. A slight change to the year before, when my parents said we should stand for the national anthem at midnight to bring the new year in. I don't think I ever thought of myself as an introvert, but certainly became aware that in new social situations where people who came together, certain rules seemed to apply. At university I saw lots of outgoing people, very gregarious, chatting to strangers like they'd known them for years. I kind of stood at the sidelines and waited, not really wanting to jump in, knowing that this would be false on my part. But then as time went on and the loudies had settled down, I started to speak to people. Some of them were quiet and others were loudies. The loudies who engaged with me, I later learned, were often quiets who were overcompensating, but saw me and felt a need to engage. Being drawn out of being quiet is not something that comes naturally, certainly not to me, and often strikes the fear of God in me. A love of reading means that any opportunity I see of being on my own means that a book is taken off the shelf. 
my kids' music lessons or their swim sessions. And yes, going to the loo. I took my eldest to the local pool where our swim club ran a session and sat down in the spectator area, relishing a read for an hour. I had not read a paragraph when a mate of mine who had joined the fast lane sidled up to me with his jammers on and goggles at the ready. As he fiddled with the strap, he just said, Rob, I'm sorry to ask you this, but the coach has not turned up for the slow lane. I know you're not qualified, but anything you can say to these guys will be a help. I could feel my mouth going dry. I could swim, but always just did what I was told in the pool, and I never considered coaching. It wasn't my style to hang a whistle round my neck, get a crew cut, and bark at swimmers. So I just crouched down and chatted to the swimmers, and found out what their limits were, if they had any injuries, and where they were in their training. I set them off swimming 100 metres, so I could watch them. Some managed this and others were hyperventilating, holding onto the lane rope at 12 metres. One guy had been on a 60-mile bike ride that morning. He got cramp and proceeded to nearly drown in the shallow end. The lifeguard seemed oblivious, so I ended up with one leg of my jeans immersed in the water as I tried to grab Graham and fish him up above the water. His wife laughed and just said, he's always doing that. The lifeguard, possibly feeling embarrassed, pointed out to me that I could have shouted. My introverted side had clearly created a problem, but mostly... This was about the moisture level in my jeans. Note to self, wear some swimming trunks when coaching in future. I was really going to have to do something about this. Being quiet is different to being shy. And the challenge here was to come further out of my comfort zone because I could see this group of swimmers really needed help. The coach apologised when I met him and thanked me profusely for stepping in. He'd had an emergency so I asked him about what the training was like to become a level one coach. His first response was, don't bother with one, go straight to two. One is all paperwork, you need two. He made a few calls and suddenly I was launched into not swim coaching, but triathlon coaching. He had chatted to Duncan, an international level triathlon technical official, a member and chair of the club, and his wife had put my name forward now. I'd gone from thinking I would just have a few pointers when coaching swimmers, to receiving a call from British Triathlon advising me that my desire to go straight to level two was only done in exceptional circumstances. As I tried to offer a quiet, yeah, but... The guy said, you'll need to have a half an hour discussion with one of our coach trainers to test your knowledge of triathlon. Shit. I received the call and was asked about where the head should be in relation to the foot when it strikes the ground during running and why I was so keen to be a triathlon coach, etc. So I was given a login code and started the course, which was great fun, but led up to two weekends in Shropshire where we were put through our paces, given practical exercises, and we were to be both coaches and athletes being coached. The two trainers watched us very carefully and sometimes laughed, particularly as I'd bought a TT bike with me, made for cycling fast in straight lines, so really quite inadequate for trying to cycle in tight circles around cones on a hockey court. The pool was quite noisy and the water cold, so we were all frozen because the swim coaching took time with us having to take turns at the coaching and then to swim. I quietly suggested to the trainers that for the second weekend and the exam we bring wetsuits. We'd not done this before, but thought it a good idea, so at least we were a little warmer the second time around. The one thing that I kept being pulled up on was that I was very quietly spoken. This I instinctively felt was going to be my Achilles heel, but Rob, the trainer, just shook his head. He looked at the rest of the group and he said, what did you notice when Rob was coaching you? They came back with, we had to concentrate, because we had to make sure that we were listening. Rob pointed out to me that I had stumbled upon a technique that can be actively used to get people to listen, 
and all I needed was to ask athletes to confirm their understanding so that I knew they had heard me. He urged me not to change my style and since then I've quietly got on with the coaching. I've made lots of friends and the swimmers look forward to my sessions. I've missed coaching during lockdown and really miss swimming, another opportunity for isolation and to get into my own thoughts. As the spring is now sprung and the planet tips a little closer to our sun, I look at the sea with relish.